managing your 401k is hard. Bloom isn't. See what you could be doing to make your 401k better by getting a free analysis at bloom401k.com forward slash full. That's bloom with three O's, 401k.com slash full. Welcome to Industry Focus, the show that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. Today, we're talking energy and industrials. It's Thursday, the 28th of June. And we're going to be celebrating the fall's 25th anniversary by doing a bit of a look back and look forward at the energy industry. I'm your host, Sarah Priestley, and joining me in the studio is Motley Fool Canada Premium Analyst, Taylor Muckerman. Taylor, welcome to the show. How's it going? It's good. You're back-to-back featured. I know. <laughs> you're going to get sick of me. Um, Never. You, have you been enjoying the World Cup? Uh, yeah, so far so good. Portugal's still in it, mm-hmm. so... And Big your, match Saturday. Your wife's Portuguese, right? Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a busy day in your household. 2 p.m. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or um, or very, not busy. Just uh. Yes, <laughs> sedate. Um, so uh, it's the Fool's 25th uh, anniversary mm-hmm. this week. Um, so we thought we'd take this opportunity across the industry focus shows um, to talk a little bit about, you know, how what the industry looked like 25 years ago, what it might look like 25 years in the future. Um, so late June 25. Years ago was when The Motley Fool was founded. Took the liberty of looking up some 1993 uh, trivia for us. So Bill Clinton was president. My mum's favorite movie, Sleepless in Seattle, came out. Mm. Uh, Meatloaf had the top-selling single of the year. And Jurassic Park uh, was a summer blockbuster. (laughs) There you go. Yeah, I remember watching Sleepless in Seattle in a hotel room with my family. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, like the second (laughs) half, we didn't realize we we started it and... uh, it, it started at a part that seemed like a logical beginning <laughs> to a movie, <laughs> only to find out 45 minutes later that we started it halfway through. Oh, I don't know so what that we, says about the film, really. I know. So we, I've never seen the full thing. Oh, wow. You need to. Just the second half. My mother would not be happy to hear that. Um, so it was also the year, uh, 1993 was also the year that the Natural Gas Policy Act of 1978 was finally phased out. Uh, that was where the government had price controls on natural gas. Uh, in July of that year, there was a dip in oil prices on speculation that Iraq would accept UN missile test inspections um, and receive approval to resume oil exports. Sounds very similar to Iran. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, history does repeat itself. Mm. Um, in November, the combination of OPEC overproduction and surging North Sea output uh, and weak demand lowers the price of Brent to near $15 a barrel. I think we're today at like 74 or 75, something yeah, like that. Yeah, on the international level, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just similar kind of history has cycles. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, overall the nineties were a period of economic boom. So GDP rose for nearly 10 years. The economy grew by an average of 4% between 1992 and 1999. Um, and we are in that same kind of era of a long bull market, uh, not quite to the same extent as this. And obviously we've had hiccups in recent, uh, memory and especially in oil, but as far as the wider macro economy goes, um, we're in a similar situation. So over that time period, oil prices fell by a third, which is a lot. Uh, top 10 companies in the S&P included GE. Mm. Oh, GE. Uh, oh, now it's not even in the Dow anymore. <laughs> yeah. Uh, spinning off healthcare. So mm-hmm. we're going to be and GE Baker healthcare. And That's right. Um, uh, but also Exxon and Shell. So the U.S. enjoying global dominance, enjoying this long period of economic prosperity, um, and the oil industry really continuing its kind of legacy of being very pivotal to um, the founding of the nation as it is as it was that day. Mm-hmm. Um, 
there's an economist quote that uh, if coal drove the industrial revolution, oil fueled the internal combustion engine, aviation and the 20th century notion that mankind's possibilities are limitless. It flew people to the moon and beyond. Products that have changed lives from lipstick to CD players, from motorcycle helmets to aspirin, contain petrochemicals. Is lipstick life-changing? I don't know. Uh, some would say. <laughs> <laughs> um, CD players were life-changing. CD, yes. No longer. Steve Jobs, mm. we have to thank you for that. Um, so, yeah, there's. it's just – it was definitely still at the peak of its kind of uh, heyday. Mm -hmm. uh, and since then, we have just seen um, – something that a lot of people probably wouldn't have expected, the collapse of oil prices, which began in June 2014. Um, the oil prices fell below $30 a barrel in January 2016. That's kind of the lowest prices that we've seen. Uh, and it had far-reaching effects. Oil producers uh, in Venezuela and Nigeria suffered budget blowouts. That's obviously economies that are incredibly tied to the national performance, the, the performance of their national. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. Fossil fuels are yeah. vital. Mm -hmm. um, and American shale bankruptcy. So, yes, current shape is obviously we're a little bit removed from that now, but that was a dire situation. I mean, you were an analyst at that time. I was, um, yeah. How, how was that for you covering the industry? Well, I mean, you basically said the same thing. Everyone is, uh, everybody's in a world of hurt, but it was a, it was a big shakeup. I remember when it happened, I had been hiking around Thanksgiving and had no connection to the outside world. And then <laughs> I turned my phone on for the first time and I go, oh, let's see what's happening in the markets. And every energy stock was down 20, 30, 40% in a single day. And uh, I felt like, wow, work's going to be pretty busy when I get back. <laughs> um, yeah, the other consequence of this is just we've seen a massive contra contraction in kind of the investment uh, in both people and projects. Yeah, and these are long tail projects. Mm -hmm. So not only are you impacting, like you don't really feel the the impact uh, immediately, other than having maybe some more cash flow up front. But the longer tail effects are yet to be seen mm -hmm. from that large cutback over the course of two to three years. Um, as you as you uh, had told me, reminded me, forty percent budget cuts from twenty fourteen to twenty sixteen yep. from oil and gas companies, which is that's a big deal. Yeah, and and we could be seeing in the next, like you said, in the next kind of five to ten years, yep. that that really starts to impact the price of oil. Um, and one other factor that's kind of often seen as like a soft factor, but it really isn't, is they let four hundred thousand workers go during mm -hmm. this period. Yeah, and now there's a bit of a uh, rush for talent uh, in the industry, um, which is definitely going to going to have knock on effects. Um, that seems like a big number, but prior to that, the out of the financial crisis, energy jobs were the pretty much the entirety of the net gain in jobs. So you did lose 400,000, but the years prior to that, from 2008 to 2014, you just saw millions of jobs mm -hmm. created in the energy sector. So a little bit more of a rebalancing mm -hmm. rather than um, a, a big time crisis. Mm -hmm. They just got, got out ahead of themselves. I did read uh, PwC, I think, does a report every year on the oil market, and they were saying that it's the it's one of the most aging what aging workforces is in oil and gas mm -hmm. and that they really need to kind of pass on some of that knowledge that they've got from these uh, yeah. older baby boomers who are going to be looking to retire soon. Sure. Um, but saying that uh, a lot about the, the contraction in spending, the, the positive of this, the, the fruit that it's born, is that um, cost per barrel is down, uh, even on offshore 
and I think we're seeing like $25 per barrel and for some projects, mm-hmm. um, which means that if we do see a rebound in the price per barrel, the margins are going to be high. Yeah. Uh, we're not quite at that now, and, and I, I think we're kind of in that middle ground where you're going to start to see service companies passing on uh, or not giving as much of the cut as they, they previously yeah, were no, giving. Yeah, they were, for yeah. sure. And they've already, on their conference calls, talked about that, mm-hmm. not going to pass it on. And at one point, Halliburton was even giving financing to oil companies wow. to, to drill yeah. so that Halliburton could at least get some business. Um, and we're starting to see capital expenditure increase. I think it was 7%, up 7% last year. So we're sort of in this uh, in-between phase. A lot of companies are looking into diversification. Countries that are heavily concentrated in oil, like uh, Saudi Arabia, are beginning to look at ways that they can expand. And uh, Saudi Arabia is looking to privatize some of its oil in order to fund some of this expansion, like solar projects. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're seeing renewables really being embraced. Like it's been a golden era for solar um, for the past few years. Um, yeah, they've performed quite well mm-hmm. as a stock. We're going to talk a little bit about the our thoughts and the future of the energy market. But before we do, I'd like to thank our sponsor for today, Bloom. Do you have a 401k? Remember how frustrating it was deciding what to invest in without professional help? Now there's a better way to grow your 401k with Bloom, and that's with three O's. Bloom is a simple, smart, and affordable way to grow your 401k. Go online to bloom401k.com forward slash full and simply connect your existing 401k in a few easy steps. Sit back and relax while Bloom performs an unbiased analysis of the funds in your account and chooses the best mix to meet your goals while minimizing hidden investment fees. Bloom's pricing is $10 per month regardless of account size. They research, invest, manage, monitor, and grow your 401k while you relax. Bloom only takes five minutes, and then your retirement account is set until you cancel. Bloom is so simple. In fact, the hardest part about it is remembering that there are three O's in Bloom. Go to bloom401k.com forward slash fool and enter promo code fool for your first month free and see the difference Bloom can make in your retirement. So um, we've kind of seen this period of a hiatus in investment um, and uh, artificially constraining demand through OPEC and other kinds of agreements and, and just financially not being viable to extract a lot of oil. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your kind of macro thoughts on how how the energy industry, not necessarily oil and gas, but how the energy industry might look in 25 years? Uh, probably quite a bit different. I think yeah. that's that's safe to say. Um, but you're going to need to see a dramatic reformulation in how things are made in order to see a dramatic reduction in uh, the demand for oil and natural gas, simply because you talked about some of the, the things that were, were – possible because of fossil fuels, lipsticks, CD players, motorcycle helmets, aspirin, and anything you can think of that fits in between those four things, uh, cell phones, MP3 players, the table we're sitting at, the computer we're working on, the the tires we drive on. So you are going to see, in my mind, uh, the continuation of growth and renewables, but they're not going to be a substitute as a feedstock for the goods that we buy every day. So unless we can discover some way to substitute the feedstocks, um, I, I, I still think we're going to be reliant on oil and natural gas um, in 25 years. Mm-hmm. Maybe um, not to drive, maybe yes. not to power our homes, but certainly to build to build and make things. Yeah. So there seems to be kind of two schools of thought, um, and I, I completely agree with you. The, one, the first 
school is kind of there is a pivot away from asking when are we going to run out of oil to how long will we continue to use oil? So yeah. no longer sort of peak oil, but peak demand. Um, we can talk about that a bit more. The The second thought is uh, dismisses this and they think that governments don't necessarily have the political will that they're suggesting to implement climate goals, um, anything like what people are thinking. Well, we're already backing out of the Paris Accord, yes. so <laughs> that didn't, it wasn't too hard. Yep. All Trump had to do was say, all right, we're done, and yep. then we were done. Uh, I mean, if, no and punishment. If, if you look at a country like America, for instance, it's been built around the automobile, mm -hmm. um, and it's been built around a lot of oil and gas infrastructure. Mm -hmm. And as much as we're saying Absolutely, it won't be. Um, absolutely, I agree with you that I think we will eventually all be driving electric vehicles. Yeah. Um, there, ha there is going to be a learning curve. <laughs> yeah, and you, the car is still going to unless we, we go 100% recyclable material, which I don't think we're anywhere mm -hmm. close to that. Uh, much closer to having renewable energy be a dominant force than I think recyclable material being yeah. a dominant force in the respective industries. So. Um, Cars still need tires to drive on, and mm -hmm. tires still need oil to be a feedstock. So, <laughs> yep. Um, and bioplastics, I think, is going to become bigger, and that there's a lot more investment in that. But mm -hmm. it's a long way away from making, you know, a straw. Yeah. Compared to making every all the components that go into making a vehicle. Um, but the the to give kind of to talk a little bit more about this peak demand um, subject. So the Paris Accord Agreement, which you mentioned, the U.S. is backed out on. It envisions keeping global temperatures at about two degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels. Mm -hmm. um, and it says in order to do that, we need to cut fossil fuel usage, particularly unclean fuel, so uh, coal and, and petrol and, mm -hmm. and uh, oil, rather than kind of natural gas. Um, and the International Energy Agency has said to reach this, we would have to peak consumption in 2020 at 20, 93 million barrels per day. So that's just above current levels. Um, but... You know, as as you said, it's a fact that aeroplanes, ships, and heavy goods vehicles, um, and plastics will need to use oil for many, many mm -hmm. years. Uh, and as much as there is a slowing in the population growth in the U.S., that is not necessarily the same in other growing nations. In the no, world. far from it. Actually, yeah, absolutely. You see, um, Africa supposedly going to be the largest continent mm -hmm. population-wise, and maybe a decade. I can't remember the exact year, but supposed to surpass Asia um, within a fairly recent mm -hmm. time frame. And um, if you phase out coal, natural gas is still a fossil fuel, and that's going to be one of the bigger fuels to replace coal, as you see countries like India and China, the U.S. and Europe continue to phase it out. Yep. And um, I think that's part. Of, that's a lot of big problem that you see generally in uh, a lot of analyst reports is that we're so um, insular in the way sometimes that we look at things that it's hard for us to see really the global mm -hmm. scale. And the global scale is okay. The population's um, you know looks at potentially like it could contract within the next uh, twenty years in the U.S. But mm -hmm. elsewhere, that's that's not the, yep. the same. Um, so. For, in order for this to happen, a lot of countries would have to tighten uh, vehicle emission standards. Um, that is happening. We are seeing that. And countries like China and India are looking very seriously at alternatives for petrol and diesel. You know, we've got Tesla, Chevrolet, Nissan. It's not unusual for us to see an electric yeah. vehicle, especially in a metropolitan area uh, like D.C. Um, and across the world, the contribution of energy to nation's GDP is declining. Mm. So, yes, I can see that we are on our way to being there, but certainly not in the next 25 years. Yeah, it would have to... The rapidity of the change would have to dr dramatically increase. Yeah. Um, and then 
this second school of thought, I think the the camp that you and I um, sit in to, to a variable degree um, is supported by a lot of people within the oil industry. Surprise, yeah. surprise. Um, <laughs> Uh, Saudi Arabia's energy minister actually came on. Uh, he estimated that the world still needs to invest in oil to the tune of almost one trillion a year for the next 25 years. Uh, and the reason for this is, you know, we're talking about people are still going to need all of these products. We're still going to need uh, gas for the mm -hmm. foreseeable future. And the, the investment just hasn't been there. And if people start to, if investors start to come away from oil and gas uh, as an investment option, mm -hmm. then that industry is really going to suffer because it still needs to look at new wells and you know new extraction techniques yep. and things like that to be profitable. And they have driven down the cost to extract, but um, at the same time, these companies go for the low-hanging fruit first. So mm -hmm. unless technology continues to advance, new oil finds are going to continue to be more expensive, which is one reason why you saw deep shore, deep off-water, or excuse me, deep offshore um, oil development hit the brakes mm -hmm. when oil prices fell because it is very expensive still comparatively to drill offshore. And that's continues to be the next, 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 next frontier as mm -hmm. it gets pushed out further and further. But uh, you would have to imagine that it's going to play a role some point in the uh, supply of oil. And when it does, it will be more expensive to produce. Yeah. And it, it will be interesting watching renewables, um, you know, as, as more of these traditional oil companies start to invest in diversification, sort of reaching a harmony of investment, whereas it's not seen as a competition between oil and gas, mm -hmm. but it's seen as, you know, it, it's not a zero sum game investing yeah. in solar farms and investing in uh, oil and gas technology. Um, but it's it's a fact the industry's lost about a trillion of investment, um, according to Saudi Aramco CEO, I should say, uh, since the oil price downturn of 2014 to 2016. And whether you dispute that number exactly, the you know the the implication remains the same. Um, One trillion. That sounds familiar as the, the value <laughs> of Saudi Aramco potentially. Uh, I think it's looking like Hong Kong's going to be the favorite oh, wow. to uh, float the second. Um, second trade for that. Uh, so, the, yeah, it's just I think I think um, twenty five years, very long time. I would just caution people to say that um, you know ninety nine percent of the vehicles on the road right now mm -hmm. are not electric. Yeah. And as much as I um, I think it's great, I would love to see more electric vehicles on the road. We don't yet have the infrastructure development, um, the production development, yeah, the no, it's interest. Yeah, small slice of yeah. automobiles on the road. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so. That's kind of a very balanced mm -hmm. <laughs> view of the next 25 yeah. years. The oil and gas still important, um, but definitely we're, we're going to see a huge amount, hopefully, of upswing in terms of renewables. Too. Agreed. Yeah. Um, anything else? Anything I haven't mentioned? Um, only to see what actually happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just have to wait and see. There's probably a bunch in retrospect that we didn't mention, but only time will tell. Yeah. Um, I mean, for everybody else's sake, I hope that we're not still doing this show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know, right. Um, well, that's it from us today. If you would like to get in touch, please feel free to email us at industryfocus.fall.com or tweet us on Twitter at MFIndustryFocus. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Molly Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thank you, as always, to the marvellously patient Austin Morgan for mixing the show. For Taylor, I'm Sarah Priestley. Thanks for listening. I'm full on.